Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next purchase. That's promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Everybody, welcome into Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, April 26, 2021. <laughs> That's how the weekend went for the Tigers. As bad a weekend of baseball as you're going to see, an unacceptable weekend in regards to this rebuild and where we stand five years into this. This team is a bottom feeder in this league. They are far and away the worst team in this division. We are 22 games into this, and this may be a team that's going to fight for another number one pick. I give myself slight credit because the rant I had on Friday, and I'm going to be a little bit more measured, a little bit more calmed down on this week's show, but the rant I had on Friday's show was a precursor to what ended up happening this weekend. I saw it coming from a mile away. That is often some that is one thing I, I will give myself credit for forever. I'm not the guy who who does the rant after it's blown up. I do the rant before things are going to blow up when I know that things are going to be awful. Prime example, my most famous rant, you know, that the whole Cleveland game 85 in 2017, that one that blew up for me. That was before everything went to garbage. That was when they were turning a corner into garbage. And make no mistake, this team This version of the Detroit Tigers is garbage. They are one of the worst offenses I have ever seen. They played an unacceptable brand of baseball this weekend. And we are at a point now in this rebuild where expectations are fair. This isn't 2018 anymore. This team, they still got one game to play, but they're going to lose another series against the Royals. And I'm going to talk about the Royals because I don't want want to get lost in this whole thing. I don't want people to, to... make it seem like I'm not giving the Royals credit because the Kansas City Royals are a good baseball team. I would be stunned, absolutely stunned if they win the Central. I would be be stunned if they made the playoffs, but they are a wonderful companion piece because maybe this has been unfair in my opinion, but I have for the last several years compared the Tigers to the Chicago White Sox in terms of their rebuild. Maybe Maybe that hasn't always been fair, because in fairness to Chicago, and really in fairness to Detroit as well, when the White Sox hit the reset button, they did it when they had several players whose value was never going to get any higher. Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, Adam Eaton, all those guys had very high value at that point. They ended up getting a lot of really solid prospects back who have since turned into really solid major league players. Maybe the Royals are a more apt comparison, because the Royals actually went for it in 2017, that last year with Moustakis and Kane and Hosmer and all those guys, that 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 
Escobar, that team that helped him win a World Series, that core that helped him win a World Series in 2015. They went for it. They traded for Melky Cabrera. It didn't work out. I believe they were an 83-win team or something that year. They were just above 500, missed the playoffs by a substantial amount of games. Then they hit reset. Roughly around the same time the Tigers did. Actually, it was probably a few months after the Tigers did. And you watch them this weekend. You see one team that is ascending and one team that, I'm being generous, is staying stagnant, when in reality, they seem to be descending. I'm not going to waste any more time, because this weekend was absolutely terrible. Let's jump into game number one. Tigers lost 6-2 to two on Friday night. Casey Mize started. Mike Miner started for the Royals. He was fine. Uh, the offense, I'm going to talk about the offense a little bit later, so I'm going to spend more time here in this first segment just talking about what Casey Mize did or what Casey Mize didn't do. You know, through four innings, I thought he looked great. He gave up two solo home runs. That didn't bother me. They were two pitches that he left up. He had that issue in Oakland as well when he gave up the three home runs, but pitch count was down. He was throwing strikes. He seemed confident. He didn't seem as shaky on the mound. I liked the demeanor. The stuff was fine. Was having trouble locating the splitter, but I wasn't too concerned about it because in the start he had against Houston, his only great start so far at the major league level where he went seven scoreless, he wasn't locating his fastball early in that game. And he went to the cutter and it seemed like that was his friend. Same, it felt that way uh, in Friday's game as well. I think that cutter right now is probably the one pitch he's the most confident with, and he should throw it more often. It's good pitch. I mean, all his pitches are fine when he's locating them, but in that fifth inning, you saw what happens to him when that splitter isn't being thrown for strikes. He ends up getting completely blown up, because I think one of the issues that Casey Mize is going to run into going forward, and it's not an issue he had at Auburn, it's not an issue that he had throughout the minor leagues, but major league hitters are smarter. I think of the three-headed monster, him, Scooball, and Manning, he's the one who who may have the toughest time missing bats because the one real wipeout pitch that he has in his arsenal is that splitter. Now, if he's throwing that for strikes, then all the other pitches open up. You become a Swiss Army knife, and you could strike out guys with the cutter. You could strike out guys with the slurve, which he has not thrown very often. Then, of course, you could strike guys out with the fastball as well, but when that primary secondary pitch, I guess that's kind of a contradiction, primary secondary pitch, but you know what I mean, when that splitter is not being thrown for strikes, bad things happen, and he he completely imploded in the fifth inning. Uh, You guys know where I stand on this. I think I've been pretty consistent with this take. I will continue to say Casey Mize is going to be okay. I was watching the game with my dad, and you know, he growled at me and said, man, this Mize guy just isn't that good. Everyone says he's real good. Every time I've watched him, he's gotten hammered, and I know a lot of people feel that way right now. I still believe in Casey Mize. I think it is unfair to call him a bust, which I saw several nonsensical people saying on Tiger's Twitter over the weekend. He had a really bad start. It was a it was a very bad start. Even the start in Oakland, I found some solace in. He just gave up a few home run balls. Other than that, he was fine. But we have now seen how bad he can be. We've seen his floor. I feel like what he did on Friday, that's his floor. But we've also seen his ceiling, which is what he did in that start against Houston, where he was seven, where he went seven scoreless, and that was not a fluke. Like I said in my post game video, he pitched really, really well that entire ball game, seven scoreless. He deserved to get his first major league win, which he did. Consistency is just going to be important for him. I am trying, truly, because some people have complained that I'm not as. Uh, analytically based or not as not as savvy as some other Tigers podcasters, which may be true, but I do my research and I have tried desperately to figure out why it is that Casey Mize is having so many problems locating his pitches right now when this is not an issue he had at Auburn. It's not a, 
an issue he had when he was in the minor leagues. This is an issue that has just recently risen up. I mean, you could say it started probably in the latter part of last season, and it was definitely there in spring training. I don't know why that is. I wish I could explain why that is. I wish Fetter could. I wish there was a mechanical uh, issue that they needed to sort out, but it was a very frustrating start <clears throat> for Casey Mize. The other observation, Kansas City Royals have a good lineup. That's a solid lineup top to bottom. Like, I, there's some really good hitters there. Their team right now is what the Tigers should be, a, a good mix of young guys and veterans, a competitive lineup with not a whole lot of automatic outs. They've been very impressive. And look, they, they're the core that is in place there regarding their management and their front office, it's the same people that helped him win a World Series in 2015. This is not some schmo, schmuck group. These guys know what they're doing, and I, I have a lot more faith in them right now than I do in the Tigers. So when I come back, we're going to talk about uh, the next two games that went down this weekend, sadly. Uh, we'll be right back. See you in just a second. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana. Ten female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. Segment number two, and let's talk about game number two. This was on Saturday. Tigers lost a 2-1 ball game again to the Kansas City Royals. There is one silver lining here, and I want to really, I want to drive home my praise of this guy because I've gone out of my way, I feel like, in the past to drive home my criticism. And that's, whether you love me or hate me, I am an equal opportunity offender. Guy does something really awful, I'll come on here and say he does something awful. Guy does something great, I will praise him. And that's what I'm about to do. Matt Boyd is pitching the best baseball of his career. Matt Boyd, I have never believed, is a, is an ace. I've never believed that he has one, one, number one in the rotation potential. But he's pitching like that right now. He's pitching absolutely out of his mind. And the reasons for it, it's... It's very simple. I wish I had more uh, like evidence for you. I wish I wish I had a, a stronger example, but I think it I think it is simple with him. He's getting ahead in every count. Go back and watch that start. Strike one to almost every single hitter he is facing. There's a reason why that's so important. There's a reason the old saying is what's the best pitch in baseball? Strike one. It allows him 
to open up his playbook, and then you're seeing the curveball. Then you're seeing the changeup. And when he gets to two strikes, it's not as predictable a slider count as it's been over the last several seasons. It only had three strikeouts, but that was that. That's no problem. It was it was a cold day. It was borderline snowy, rainy, pretty much all day on Saturday, and he was out there dealing. That was a phenomenal performance by Matt Boyd. He looks as good as I have ever seen him. And despite the fact that the Tigers royally, hilariously, historically screwed up an opportunity to dish him at the deadline in 2019, they may get another opportunity at this deadline because Matt Boyd looks absolutely lethal right now. I give him a ton of credit, not just for how he's conducted himself. I've never had a problem with that, but for how he's pitching even more so. He looks great. Now, it's worth noting it didn't mean anything because it was a completely wasted start. He went eight innings, two runs, only one of them earned. The offense didn't do anything. Willie Castro hit a solo home run, raising his OPS to like 500. I want to talk about the the fifth inning where, where... Boyd gave up the two runs that he gave up. I talked about this in my post game, but I really want to hammer this point home. Against Jorge Soler, he had, I believe it was a 1-2 slider on the inner part of the plate for strike three. It was strike three. It should have been called strike three and still should have been called strike three, but it wasn't because Wilson Ramos is one of the worst pitch framers I've ever seen. That should have been a called strike three for the first out of the inning. It wasn't next pitch. Soler ropes a double down the left field line. The Royals are in business. Okay, tough break. It's one pitch. I'm not going to get super bent out of shape about it. It happens even to the best catchers, I guess, sometimes. It can happen. They end up with runners on first and third and one out. Jonathan Scope, who's playing first base, gets a prime double play ball, throws it to short where Willie Castro was covering second base. Errant throw high. They get the force out at second, but nothing else. So that is two outs that you have gifted to the other team. Next hitter singles to right field. Victor Reyes... Gets up, tries to throw out Benintendi at third base, spikes it into the ground, it gets away, Benintendi ends up scoring, so that's one unearned run, and one run that should have never have happened if you would have had a competent guy defensively behind home plate. And it speaks to a problem that I have had since the very beginning of this rebuild. It, this idea of let's build around starting pitching, we gotta get our starting pitching right. You kind of can't get your starting pitching right unless everything else is in place. Like, there's a reason why teams with great rotations have a tendency to have really good defenses behind them because those defenders make those pitchers look really good. And even if Mize and Scooball were out there dealing right now, I don't know if it would matter. Unless they're striking out 15 times a game, the defense is putrid. This is like, trying to avoid going full rant mode, but this team... Get with the infield they have, cannot turn a double play. They cannot do it. Routine ground balls that are hit to third base, hit to shortstop, they can't do it. So what are we doing? Like the 2016 Cubs, right? Great rotation with Lester and Arietta and Lackey and Hendricks who won an ERA title that year. But look at who they had behind them. Anthony Rizzo, gold glove, first baseman. Javi Baez at second. Addison Russell was a great defender. Bryant was serviceable. You had Zobrist. You had Hayward, one of the best right fielders in the game. They made that rotation look good. Now, of course, those pitchers had great stuff, and they got a lot of strikeouts, and they won a lot of games, but they had a really good defense behind them. I don't care how good my Scooball and Manning are. I don't care if all three of them reach their ceilings and end up becoming Cy Young caliber pitchers. They will end up underachieving here if the defense behind them is Swiss cheese. Which it is. Who on this team right now is a good defender? I, th- I would say Jamer. Jamer is a plus defender at third base. Not a, a huge plus defender. right? He's not Matt Chapman, but he's solid. He's serviceable. Who else? Th- th- there's nobody else. There's literally nobody else. Scope 
at second is okay when he plays second. Goodrum, I'll give you Goodrum. Goodrum plays, what, two out of every three days? He's a, he's a good athlete and a very good defensive shortstop and defensive second baseman. He is good. Everybody else is well below league average. And they lost that game. They scored one run. And so it falls mainly on the offense. But they lost that game on Saturday because they didn't have competent defenders behind Matt Boyd. Ain't Matt Boyd's problem. Matt Boyd pitched great. And then in the third game yesterday, not I mean, not a whole lot to discuss. They got shut out again. It was a 4-0 game. Michael Fulmer pitched on three days rest and pitched really well. You know, I'm not ripping any of these pitchers. I can't. I mean, Mize didn't pitch well, right, on Friday. He got hammered. But Michael Fulmer is pitching with a lot of confidence right now, and he deserves a lot of credit for how he's handled himself. He deserves credit for how he's pitching. He's had some really bad breaks. He's had the worst break of all, which is the fact he's had to play for this team over the last several years, but he's had injuries. He's come out of the pen. He's been a starter, and he's handled himself with a lot of character, and the, and the stuff looks pretty darn solid. Tarek Skubal came in after Fulmer threw three scoreless frames and looked Skubal-esque, which is so-so. A pitcher with fine stuff, fastball velocity seemed to be up a tick, Still unsure about the spin rate. Usually Cody Stavenhagen is the first to tweet that out. I haven't seen that yet. But his biggest problem, I think people are ignoring. Because, yeah, it is it is a concern that the velocity and the spin rate are down. It's also been like 30 degrees outside. It's April. Like, I, I don't think... I think if there was a big injury with Tarek Skubal that was leading... Or co- that was the cause of his lack of velocity, even though the velocity's still fine, or, or, or the lack of spin rate... I think the Tigers would handle it. Like, maybe I shouldn't trust them, but I do trust them in this particular instance. My biggest problem with him is that he doesn't appear to be a confident pitcher. There's one pitcher in baseball to me that he reminds me of right now, and not in a good way, and that's Blake Snell. Blake Snell, to me, is has some of the best stuff in baseball. But Blake Snell throws a lot of balls and a lot of waste pitches, a lot of curveballs in the dirt on 0-2 counts that guys are just spitting on. Tarek Skubal has electric stuff. The problem is his command is so-so, and he nibbles. He doesn't have to nibble. It's the same thing with Mize, where I think sometimes Mize struggles with throwing too many balls in the zone because his command has been kind of poor. He leaves too many pitches over the plate. But Skubal's got the stuff to be able to get these guys out. I see him getting ahead like 0-1 in a count, and then I see a splitter that's bounced 10 feet in front of home plate. Okay, well, that's a waste pitch. And if you get one of those every at-bat, all of a sudden your pitch count goes up and up. I think we need to see him be more aggressive stronger to the plate because he's got the stuff to be able to do it and it's been frustrating watching him nibble I think I think in a way um Spencer Turnbull has suffered from that problem as well though I chalk that up to just inability to repeat his delivery I, I think that's more of a mechanical issue where I think with Scooball, I think he's in his own he's in his own head a little bit which I think is one of the reasons why the Tigers have had him coming out of the pen yeah I mean I'll just bring this up the segment number three we're going to preview today's game they do have one more uh, against the Royals today but this offense is unspeakably bad and we are in for a treat I, not a good treat a bad treat but we're in for a treat nonetheless this is going to end up being one of the worst offenses maybe in the history of the sport. And, and people are going to say that's hyperbolic, but what have we seen 22 games in to make us think that that's not going to be the case? How many hitters on this team are good? Right now it's zero. And I know Hinch came out and said this is not a team that can't hit. It's a team with guys who aren't hitting. I love A.J. Hinch. This is the first time I've really disagreed with him. And of course, he's not going to say we can't hit, but this team can't hit. This team has no power. They don't have a whole lot of guys who can get on base. Even the guys, like the on-base guys, like Grossman, are batting like 200. No, who gives a crap if you can walk every so often? Your on-base percentage is like 230. It is, it's bad. It's as bad as I've maybe ever seen it. And uh, my anger today, my frustration today is completely justified. I'm sorry. This is not some some 
unwarranted rant from three years ago. We're in year five of this. You are not unreasonable and you are not a bad person for having expectations at this point in the rebuild. And the product they're putting on the field offensively is awful. It is worse than any offense in baseball, period. I don't need to look at what their hard hit rate is. Use your eyes here. Is that a good offense? Is that is that an offense that scares any pitcher, any pitcher at all? No, one of the guys you were banking on to be good this year was Willie Castro. He can't hit. I know he homered on Saturday, but he can't hit. And he's probably one of your better hitters. So I don't I don't want to rant too much because it's just too predictable at this point. We'll be back in segment number three. Hey, what's great about baseball, as frustrating as things are, you got a game today. You can win tomorrow. Let's talk about that. I'm going to regroup. Let's talk about it in segment number three. Be right back. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports podcast music and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, we're back for the last segment. Got the the stench of uh, this series out of my mouth. Let's move on. We can win tomorrow. New game, new ball game today. Fresh slate. One ten ball game at Comerica Park. Brad Keller going for the Kansas City Royals. This, of course, from MLB.com. He's one and two with a twelve point zero zero ERA. Keller will look to turn around his season after making it through one and two-thirds innings in Tuesday's loss to the Rays. Keller wasn't hit hard, but ran into unlucky plays and walked three. He was tagged for five runs on three hits in his second loss of the season. I don't dislike this guy. I think he's a good pitcher. He's off to a terrible start so far this year. I think one of the issues maybe he's run into is that he's a little bit too fastball reliant. So far this year, he's throwing his fastball over 70 percent of the time, actually 74 right now, which is a pretty absurd number. Last year, he threw it 59 percent of the time, so he's always been fastball heavy, but the percentage on his slider usage is down 15 percent this year. I will chalk that up to him just not having a great feel for that pitch. The weather might have something to do with it. You know, it, it's still too early in the season to be looking at records at, at and ERAs. I know this guy can pitch. He's pretty good. Another guy that I think is pretty good, please, for the love of God, don't prove me wrong, is Spencer Turnbull. He's on the mound for the Tigers. He's 1-0 with a 1.80 ERA. Turnbull made his season debut Wednesday by doing something he had never done in his major league career, completing five innings in just 62 pitches to beat the Pirates. He's winless in six career starts against the Royals despite a 3.27 ERA. He's pitched some good baseball against them in the past. Maybe he hasn't gone as deep into games as you'd like to see, but that's one of the issues that he's always run into uh, given his kind of lack of consistency in regards to strike throwing. 
I thought he was very good his last time out. I thought he was very, very good his last time out. That was an extremely encouraging start. And looking at the at the pitch effects, I'm on pitcher list right now, and it's only one start, so it's kind of hard to judge necessarily if this is something that he plans on doing all season or if it was just a one-start thing. But slider usage was way up, sinker usage way down. I, I think one of the key themes, and I've, I've discussed this in the past with Chris Fetter as the pitching coach, is the idea of just not overthinking. You know, if you've got your best stuff, use your best stuff. And I think Turnbull has uh, gone, gotten a little bit too in his own head in the past in regards to trying to make sure that he gets all five of his pitches working. You don't have to necessarily do that. He's got a really nice, firm, four-seam fastball, really nice bite on the slider. It was very good the last time he pitched against the Pirates. I think one of the, the key goals is to make sure that those are the pitches that he's r- relying on the most. Of course, you got to throw a wrinkle in there every so often, bring out the changeup, bring out the curveball, but outside of having a live arm, I feel like Spencer Turnbull is a pitcher that's kind of lacked an identity over the last several seasons. I hope that he can find that this year with that fastball slider combination. So, new ball game today. Look, everyone's frustrated right now. Nobody likes it. The fans don't like it. The players don't like it. Nobody on Twitter likes it. Nobody in the media likes it. It stinks. It stinks watching this, but... You got another game today. We got to grind through this. We're only 22 games in. We got to try to find something to grab onto. What has Hinch said? What have I said? You can win tomorrow. You know what? With Turnbull on the mound, maybe they just will. All right. That'll do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to iTunes. Leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Got some really nice ones recently. Thank you very much for doing that. I will be right back here tomorrow covering more Tigers news, covering the game that was and the upcoming series. Looking forward to that. Thank you very much for listening. Everybody have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.